0: The no not make show Flash moments for class solidarity. Cash circulating, give the masses back its currency. Greed from a leech, oligarchs stay fed. Deep state, faith fed. Everybody break bread. Racism, homophobia, sexism, religion and this melted pot. We live in time to build a new system. Unionize, labor rights. Highlight the issue. Talking heads left his best. The saga continues. Continues. The No Miki Show.
1: Hello and welcome to the Nomi the Key Nomi Show. Nomi Show. I am Nomi Key It is Thursday, June 3rd, and yesterday was the first in person mayoral debate in New York City since the pandemic. Uh, the last debate was over Zoom. It was painful. <laughs> uh, this one was a bit painful for other reasons. I want to start off by highlighting this exchange that's getting a lot of attention between Brooklyn Borough President Eric Adams. A former NYPD cop, uh, also somebody who joined the police force because he was beaten as a teenager with his brother by the police, and thought he could reform it from in- inside. Uh, and Andrew Yang, who ran for president, and wants selfie, selfie spots in the city. I don't even know what they're called selfie hubs. Uh, let's 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 play this clip. <laughs>
2: We need to turn the page on the people who have been running our city into the ground for the last number of years. And you talk about public safety and securing these shootings, again, three out of four shootings in Brooklyn are going unsolved right now. You're the Brooklyn Borough president. You know The problems have been getting worse around you while you've been running for mayor and raising money from your friends in real estate. So if you get a choice between Eric Adams for mayor or Andrew Yang for mayor, I think New Yorkers are gonna choose Andrew Yang because they know we need a fresh start. We need to turn the page on what has not been working. No, the
0: the problem was getting worse because you weren't on the ground. You started discovering NYCHA when you were running for mayor. You just started discovering violence when you were running for mayor. You started discovering the homeless crisis when you're running for mayor. You can't run from the city, Andrew, if you wanna run the city. I was here on the ground for 35 uninterrupted years. You know you were not. And so let's be honest about that. So, why should we trust you now? You may flee okay. again during a difficult time. I never fled the city. I protected the city. I wore a bulletproof vest for 22 years and protected the children and families of this city. You cannot say anywhere near that. All right, thank you. Mr. Yank, 15 second response.
2: Sure. Eric. We all know that you've been investigated for corruption everywhere you've gone. City, state, even Barack Obama's Department of Justice investigated you. You've achieved the rare trifecta of corruption investigations. Is that really what we want in the next mayor? you think you're going to enter, enter City Hall and it's going to be different? We all know it's going to be exactly the same. That's why so many people on the stage don't want you to be mayor.
0: There was no investigation that came up and said Eric did anything wrong. And you should never get in a point as a person of color okay. that's wrongly accused often in this country, you should never get in a point that to, de- to determine that because someone reviews something that they did something wrong. Eric, you should apologize.
3: You Eric, should apologize, that that you should apologize for making that comment. Uh, I'm saying that
2: this is simply because you're you're black. Uh, I just no, don't I didn't think say it's that. correct. Given that, I didn't say there that. Are other you candidates apologize of color on the stage for making who that subject.
1: Ooh, ooh, ooh. Spicy, spicy, spicy. That was, uh, for someone who loves to analyze a debate, let's just start off with the fact that uh, Andrew Yang is coming in hard. Eric Adams threw, threw back at, at uh, Andrew Yang very, you know, probably kindly, like, dude, you're not in the city. You don't know anything about the city, what everybody's saying about Andrew Yang. Uh, you can't flee the city. You know, you just discovered the city. You just discovered NYCHA. You just discovered Uh, you know, 14th Street (laughs) to discover, you know, that New York City exists. That's what everybody's been throwing at Andrew Yang. There's more that they could go after, but, you know, he came in a little light. And what does Andrew Yang do? He changes the subject and goes hard, super hard, um, super aggressive. They're fighting over some of the same base. They're leading the polls right now um, with Catherine Garcia. They also went after Catherine Garcia very hard last night. She is the former sanitation Uh, Director of Sanitation, Commissioner of Sanitation in New York City. Some of the attacks on her uh, were that she uh, left her job in the middle of the pandemic. And she claimed it was because essentially she had uh, a a disagreement over uh, allocation of funds and resources and thought that she could do more work from the outside, also known as run for mayor. Uh, (laughs) So those are the three more or less front runners. Of course, as I said yesterday, this is a ranked choice voting um, system. Uh, generally speaking, these elections are pretty low turnout. It's unfortunate, and so it really does come down to who can pull up certain bases, different organizations, can uh, unions, who can get these voters, uh, neighborhoods to turn out and vote for uh, that candidate for number one. Uh, and then also, you know, there's there's a game to be played with, you know, what alliances can be made, and they probably will be made in the next few weeks as. As some of these candidates see that they don't have a strong path as either the first choice or second choice candidate in this ring choice system. The five choices uh, that you can fill in, I am having trouble picking one. (laughs) So there's some cracks in this ring choice system we're starting to see. Um, And there's also a matching fund system. So those who decided to opt into the matching fund system, uh, if they were able to hit certain benchmarks, they they have been able to receive uh, eight to one matching funds You know, if you raise a certain amount of money from the city, from city residents, um, you can receive $8 back from the city's or taxpayer dollars. So there's really, there's very specific rules around that as well. So it's become, um, you know, great opportunity for different organizations and consultants, of course, to put forward their candidates or candidate or candidates uh, to make sure that they have, you know, many bets on the table um, so that they have a relationship in the mayor's office, which, of course, controls uh, most of the budget of the city. Um, and, and it's a great opportunity for the rank choice system to do some horse trading, in my opinion. I am still undecided. I change my mind every single day. I know everybody keeps messaging me and asking. And it's like, I watched the debate last night and I personally expected uh, Catherine Garcia to be a little stronger, given that she received the New York Times and the Daily News endorsement, the New York Daily News endorsements. Um, I was, I was, I thought that given how much the Times and the Daily News talked about her experience and her knowledge of how the city functions, I did not feel like she um, carried. She really portrayed that on stage yesterday. Uh, Maya Wiley, who uh, ran the, um, uh, she, she she she's a, an MSNBC contributor, she's a lawyer. She ran the um, the board that oversees. Uh, citizen, uh, uh, complaints with the city in terms of um, uh, police violations, I'm forgetting the term right now, I think a little senior moment. Um, she came on very strong, and it's hard when, I mean, listen, I ran for office, in a, and I've been on these stages uh, with seven or eight candidates, and there's usually only a couple of women, if there are any, and it's really hard to get your word, to get a word in, and Generally speaking, the moderators are not always the most friendly to women. My moderator threatened to turn off my microphone. And then later when I complained to him after the show, he told me to fuck off and said that I interrupted more than everybody else. Turns out we actually ran the numbers. And um, on a stage of seven people, I interrupted the fourth most. So there's some sexism there. So I think that um, some of the criticisms of her interrupting or talking too much, you know, that is partly because if you don't do that, It's not that it's not fair that she ran the clock extra long. It's that, I mean, she went over the clock. It's that if she doesn't do that, someone's going to come in. So you have to come on strong as a woman candidate, because if you can't, they're going to, they're just going to bombard you. Somebody from the left, somebody from the right, maybe even the moderator uh, will come in and try to shut you off or, or even threaten to shut off your microphone. Um, but I think that she, she definitely shined on the stage, uh, it was, it was surprising. Diane Morales, who's had a lot of criticism over her campaign drama, the um, unionization that didn't exist, the firing of those who tried to unionize, um, she, and, and a little bit more about her progressive record, whether or not she's progressive, because uh, she voted for Andrew Cuomo and worked for charter school, et cetera. Um, she didn't really have a breakthrough moment. I think she was just trying to you know, stay, just stay above the water at this point. Uh, Scott Stringer, who has also had his own uh, drama in the last few weeks, Scott Stringer is the controller for the city. He is the only person on that stage who has had truly um, any sort of city. He holds citywide office. Uh, he audits the city, so it's it's a very important role um, in the city. And he uh, is is has definitely has the most experience on that stage, um, other than Eric Adams, and. You know, he had a a sexual uh, harassment allegation, an assault allegation um, lodged against him by somebody who claims to be a former intern. There's been a little bit of reporting around um, the facts of that case. Uh, It's definitely shifted his campaign drastically. Um, Many organizations that came in and supported him have taken back their endorsement. Um, They've also done that with Diane Morales, many of these organizations. So, you know, you're seeing kind of how how the attacks spooked the left. Um, With that being said, the teachers union and some of the other unions are standing in support of Scott Stringer. I think he performed pretty well yesterday. I, you know, I watched this very closely. It's two hours of debate. The first part of the debate was aired on TV. The second part was online um, only. And I think that Scott Stringer had, um, for Scott Stringer, (laughs) who, you know, as of right now, I'm not supporting. Um, I believe that he came across in, on a stage of many people who have absolutely no government experience. He had kind of a, you know, a relatable, like I've been doing this a long time. This is actually really how it works. And like, these people don't really know what they're talking about, but not in a kind of stunning way, more just like, listen guys, this is how it really works. I've been doing this for a long time. Um, These are talking points. This is, and it was a calming feeling in my opinion. I think Ray McGuire actually stood out very strong. Ray McGuire is the former Citibank executive. Again, these are not endorsements. I have to make it very clear. This is an analysis of how they performed. So please don't come at me (laughs) and say I'm supporting Ray McGuire. Um, I think he came across really strong. And I think that's one of the reasons why many people, including Bloomberg himself, thought that he would be the Bloomberg of this race. Uh, Sean Donovan, the former housing secretary, uh, a few breakout moments for him were when he talked about how he's managed a budget that is bigger than anybody else on the stage had, had managed, including the New York City budget, given that he uh, was a housing secretary under Obama. There were these like weird back and forths about, you know, Andrew Yang uh, got two awards from Obama and Sean Donovan like ripped on Andrew Yang and said, you know, it's, it's uh, as someone who works in the Obama administration, uh, you got an award, but you didn't get the results. And the, re- the award came in recognition before uh, you did the work, which you didn't really do. Overall, I think that Yang came across very weak. Um, As we all know, very unprepared, uh, did a lot of sound bites and talking points. Uh, He tried to, you know, he wasn't, the humor didn't stick the way it probably did during the presidential debates uh, because New York is, it's tough. It's a tough city. It's a tough city to run for office in. You have to understand the complexities of the city. And I think one thing is very, very clear. The majority of the candidates on stage just fundamentally do not have a deeper understanding of how the city works. And that is one of the biggest frustrations I think I have with this race, uh, as well as I think this is one of the reasons why so many people are struggling with picking the right candidate. Um, It's one thing to run to the left. It's it's one thing to have a platform on the left. It's another thing, and this is the line that Scott Stringer used very well. He's like, you know, you can have a platform on the left and you can have experience on the left. I have both. And I think that's probably why a lot of these organizations supported him to begin with, Uh, but we will see. I am all over the place. One day I'm supporting one candidate. I, I don't even, I can not even pick one, let alone five. We'll see. All right. We have a great show today. We are going to be talking about the divides on the left and what's the deal with cinema and mansion with Jeff Barrow. Oh my God. I'm going to butcher his name. I know I'm supposed to say, it right. Berwa, uh and I will, or Barrowas. Oh, goodness gracious. Why don't I have the pronunciation in here? This is like a thing that I really care about. Because my name is a mess. But I'll get corrected. That's how it'll happen. But Jeff is awesome. Uh, I was on a show with him the other day. He is the host of the Good Morning Comrade po- podcast. He um, will be back right after this break. And then later we have Rep Rab and Run Chaudhary. Welcome back to No Show. I butchered your name, Jeff, and then I went back into the email and I read it, Jeffrey
3: Barwa.
4: <laughs> you, 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 you first stab at it. You got it right though, which is I did. Know, as, a, as a difficult name haver. I think we, we know the struggle is real.
1: The struggle. I'm real, i care about these things. Um, I also studied French for like a, like a good chunk of my life, so. It's the least I can do is, is honor, but you know, everything becomes Americanized. Uh, sure. So funny, like there's a, I was, I was talking to somebody, um, well, first off, let me just say you're the, the you're the host of the Good Morning uh, Comrade podcast. And of course, member of DSA. So I just want to throw that out there. Uh, but while that's up there, so people can go check it out. I, uh, I'm Greek, right. And uh, there's some lawmakers in New York that there's a few state senators that are Greek. Um, and so when I'm talking to people that are not Greek, about them very often because it's New York politics. They're like, who? And because I say their names with a Greek accent and they don't even say, because this is a very common thing in Greek American culture. Like we speak one way to the Greek people and another way to like the non-Greek people. And they're like, who are you talking about? And I'm like, I don't wanna say their names but I wanna (laughs) say what I was talking about. And and it's just, it's like a common theme. So. um,
4: If I ever got like, like I've just gotten used to Barrios. All the time oh, yeah, just because that. it looks exactly like it would be like Barrios, like in Spanish. But yeah, it's it's just this little switcheroo of O and I.
1: I get you no know, Kimi, Knost. I mean, it's just like oh, I love it. It's great. Um, they can't even get Nomi. me. Like that's like the, the I'm I'm like Komi, I get. I don't this is so boring. This is like talking about your dreams. Um, it's like <laughs> only thing that you and I understand, unless we had like the same dream together.
4: I'm sure there's difficult name havers out in the in the, in the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I think so.
1: Um, all right, so I want to talk about uh, the ongoing drama of the people who are holding up our democracy. Who mm. we are all. I mean, I've I don't think I've had this level of anger uh, in a while over politicians because you just kind of expect them to do a certain thing. But like this is just so egregious in my mind. It just we know Mansion. I think everyone knows Mansion. But we also understand the dynamics and how hard it is to kind of like break through the mansion complex in West Virginia. But Kirsten Cinema, um, you know, I just think that she's a complete and utter sociopath. And like in a city full of sociopaths, and an industry full of sociopaths, and in the media world full of sociopaths, like it really takes a lot to be like, oh, chief sociopath is Kirsten Cinema right now. Um, to me, I feel like this is a major reflection of the weakness of the left that we can't mobilize around her, that we can't harass the organizations uh, that have supported her with money and defund Kirsten Cinema, that we can't show up and just like follow her every move the way we did with some of these right wing people holding up things, that we can't pressure Biden or Schumer. Shame, Schumer, shame, Schumer, to do his job and like get Kirsten Cinema line because like I'm gonna bet she's a little scared of Chuck Schumer. Mm-hmm. But to me, this is more of an indication of not the, the insanity that's happening in Washington as much as it is how the left is so fragmented right now, which is not new, like that's always happened in history. But like, we're just, we're all over the place. We're just like that, this, that, 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 that. Um, and we're not like, okay, this is something that we could actually, if we use the pressure points and power map this out, we could actually do something. And it would transform democracy.
4: Yeah um michael brooks used to talk about uh you know rest in peace to you know really great one of my favorite commentators you know unfortunately never got to meet the guy but he used to talk about an emotionally intelligent uh mature left and essentially a left that can uh, like have disagreements which are inevitable it's the left right it is it is an alternative to the status quo that can have these inevitable disagreements without screaming at one another and treating each other like like dogs and and like i don't want to be like to like kumbaya, let's all come together about this because these differences that we have are very, very real and very, very sort of concrete in a lot of ways. However, if we can't at least recognize that we're in the same sort of broad side of a lot of these fights, then uh, then we're, we're sort of, in, we're in a lot of trouble, I guess is what I could say.
1: Um, I wanna just play this clip because uh, I, I have a follow-up to that question. This clip of Kirsten Cinema, I believe, it was yesterday, or at least it went out yesterday. Um, and more Perfect Union uh, posted our dear friend mm. uh, Jordan, who's a friend of the show, um, is over there.
3: Well, as folks in Arizona know, I've long been a supporter of the filibuster because it is a tool that protects the democracy of our nation, rather than allowing our country to ricochet wildly huh. every two to four years, back and forth between. That's policy, really the idea of the filibuster was created by those who came before us the United States Senate to create comedy and to encourage senators to find. By- can, can
4: you just pause one second? I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So, so she, she's she's talking about comedy in the Senate, like uh-huh. amongst these like elite um, people who are represented by you know who who essentially are funded rather and represent millionaires and billionaires. So like the comedy that they're sort of like. Coming together and and sort of like having this very very like amicable senate <laughs> congeniality, whatever, is comedy in the interest of the people that are funding them. That exactly. is so absolutely like no, we don't want that kind of comedy. We want we want conflict. We want to disrupt that. I'm yes. sorry to interrupt, but no like- no no, it's that's that's I- great.
3: Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Keep, we can go, keep going. And while there are some who don't believe that bipartisanship is possible. I think that I'm a daily example that bipartisanship is possible. Not just this trip today and tomorrow. Because, pause it, hang on, I just have to add this. Because I am actually a puppet for
1: both certain Democratic groups who I duped and the right wing. (laughs) That's, I am bipartisanship. Mm-hmm. because I owe it to all of my right-wing interests that got me here to actually vote with them sometimes or else they're going to come for my head.
3: Mm-hmm. Continue. <laughs> the work that John and I and I and many other of my colleagues in both parties do on a regular basis. So to those who say we must make a choice between the filibuster and X, I say this is a false choice. The reality is, is that when you have a system that's not working effectively, and I would think that most would agree that the Senate's not... a particularly well-oiled machine,
4: right? <laughs> well, she's undercutting her own argument. Your behavior.
3: Not to eliminate the rules or change the rules, change, to behavior. change your behavior. How many kids you need to go to my work god. every day? Oh my god. Aggressively seeking bipartisanship um, in a, you know, cheerful and happy yeah, Can I just say
4: really zone. quickly on you? Yeah. Like <laughs> this is the thing that like very very frequently gets kind of rolled out in in these kinds of like general situations of conflict when there is genuine actual like differences there's this sort of like psychological thing that i mean that essentially isolates and individualizes the behavior of individuals as opposed to addressing the actual concern that, that 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 we're supposed to be talking about here like that is another one of those things that um it's a it's a it's a redirection of like i mean again the reason that people are Ticked off about the filibuster is not because of uh, they love the filibuster or whatever, or they hate the filibuster for no reason at all. There's a pro act that's going through that's being held up by this. There's the um, John Lewis uh, Power of the People Act, which she supposedly supports. Yeah, There's know, the know. infrastructure bill. None of that's going to go through if if we have a Kirsten Cinema not. Supporting the Philip, or or not supporting, doing something with that thing.
1: So this is the crazy thing when she uses this behavioral. Uh, I, I think I actually, and we'll finish in a second. Um, but I do think that there is a a weakness here because this is such a this is such a desperate. Um, a desperate move, rhetorical move on her part and in and, and I analyzed I didn't really analyze the debate, but like I like made comments about the debate at the beginning. But like I love this is this is like what I grew up doing, right? This to me just reeks of of how desperate she is and how weak she is right now. She doesn't understand, or maybe she does, or maybe the public doesn't understand. She's actually really weak right now. The fact that she is resorting to this argument, and I would love to talk about this with Ben Burgess because <laughs> this is like exactly the kind of thing that I love. Just, he's, mm-hmm. she's resorting to this really basic argument that does not add up, that most people would not buy and and furthermore it's not just that she's like she's blaming it on the individual you are literally one person who is holding up the effing democracy because you want to have attention mm-hmm. you know like it's like it's it's like she's like projecting her own Effing like issues on everybody, and that's what's so ridiculous about this is that it's just she's flailing, she knows she's kind of stuck, and and like I don't know what kind of deal with the devil she made, I don't know what like backroom shit's going on with like Biden or whoever, and like she's the you know she's covering for Biden not passing certain, th- I don't know. Um, but I do know that in New York State. Uh, Andrew Cuomo had this thing called the IDC in which many people in the IDC were co-sponsors of legislation that they were actually holding up because they were part of an eight-person coalition partnering with Republicans holding up all the pieces of legislation and you know what stopped that coalition from all the groups that were being affected by those pieces of legislation um, being held up so you know some people you don't want to piss off Uh, unions (laughs) even if they're not you know you're in a right to work state and they're at her weakest not a great group of people to, to piss off you know who people don't want to piss off i don't know uh people of color who keep getting like harassed at polls across the country while they're sweeping um you know civil like 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 uh, they're ripping apart civil rights you know who, who else you don't want to piss off women who literally like you would not be in office you would have never been elected to congress if emily's list didn't swoop in and push out the other like like go up against the other two candidates that were running they were also good democrats so like she's literally got herself in a corner right now, and she's not in the mansion corner because mansion doesn't give a shit because he's he, he's just going to run for reelection to win. Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, I it's don't know. Classic, it's the classic Uno reverse card move of just saying like, you know, I'm not the person that's uh, throwing you know putting their foot down and and uh, holding this entire system hostage. It's it's other individuals. It's somebody else. It's not me. You know, yeah. you just turn it around. It's a, uh, it, it's a self report in a lot of ways.
1: And, and I like, and I, you know, one other aspect of this, actually, let, let's finish this clip and then let's get to electoralism. Because I do think this relates to um, a conversation we've had before about electoralism and and some of the, just to stew on while we're watching this clip, some of the responses are, oh, we should just primary ass No, we should, yes, do that. Great. That's a lot of money. But we should also uh, defund her. How many people, how many normie, feminists and normie Democrats don't want the filibuster buy some ads put her face on the filibuster you know call up Planned Parenthood and say don't give her money anymore call up Emily's list and say stop giving her money go through her list see who donates to Democrats as well as uh, I mean look she has business interests that I have no doubt no doubt if they see how weak she is they're gonna pull back just like when people pull ads away from a Fox News host and then that Fox News host you know has to step down it's that's that's how you gotta that's that's how you weaken her. It's not no, it's, 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 great.
4: That's the only language they actually understand. To, to 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 be very very clear, like they they can they don't, and specifically in mansions, perhaps maybe less so with with cinema, maybe not. I don't know, but like with mansion, he's happy when they have like you know green new deal people at his office protesting oh, yeah. against him because a part of his branding is the fact that he is the one that's standing up for like you know, coal miners in in West Virginia are genuinely in a situation where they're, you know, they're being sort of fear mongered in in the saying that their jobs are on the line. Now for, for uh, cinema specifically, it's a little bit different, but it's not completely dissimilar. Like she does not have a problem um, sort of like staking out this position and getting all this attention for being the person that's pumping the brakes. Now, again, like you said before, um, it's not exactly the same because they don't have the same kinds of, interests and, and 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 things at stake in Arizona I mean unless you know maybe there are some things that I'm not particularly familiar about with um, you would know that better than I would but um it seems a little bit more of a, a, a risk on her part and, and and she's doing something that's extremely like
1: unpopular like but, but you know you know where you can get mansion on the pro act yeah and he's I mean he's already already staked out. it's like cool you're supporting them great um And that's the filibuster. So let's go through all the legislation in our dream world that we think that that's why I tweeted, I tweeted this out yesterday. And I'm of course like the, the kooky left, not kooky left. I'm saying they're not even, they're not the left. They're like the red brown Alliance people. I'm just calling it that from now on. They're not the left. They're the red brown Alliance people who are making money off of like pulling, you know, angry leftists into like Tucker Carlson's what dream. Um, (laughs) But they were like, oh, Naomi, you still believe in the Democratic Party and you actually think the filibuster is going to end. I was like, no, genius. I'm asking, what would you, what legislation do you want put forward first mm-hmm. if we, when we end the filibuster? And that's not, it's partly aspirational, but it's partly a technique that we used when we were fighting the IDC, which is look at all this legislation being held up. Now hold mansion. And, and, and Kirsten Cinema because those are tangible things. Those are tangible things that people can, can like, oh my God, it's th- that's why the $15 minimum wage moment was so profound for people because she was just so like institutional kooky mm-hmm. and people were like, I'm in a pandemic and like, I'm staying at home and I don't wanna be a gig worker because I'm making more money at home. Like what is,
3: let's play the rest of the clip. <laughs> well, the filibuster was not created as a tool to accomplish one thing or another. It was created as a tool to bring together members of different parties to find compromise and coalition and when you think about our founding fathers when they created the senate with two senators from every state regardless of population size with elections staggered every you know six years so that only a third of the body is up for election each cycle it was designed Sorry. to be a place where you cooled the passions of the house where you work together to find the compromise and importantly where you Come protect on. the rights of the minority from the majority, regardless of which party is in the majority at the time.
4: she She's literally trumpeting how it's great that the Senate is extremely anti-democratic and how the filibuster makes it even less democratic. Like, she's saying that that's actually a good thing.
1: She's like, <laughs> just in case Iowa elects a Democratic senator, we're just gonna make sure the populace, like, don't come in and, oh my God, this woman, this woman. I'm, I'm, I hope whatever bargain with the devil that she made
3: mm-hmm.
1: is worth it i don't know what could possibly worth be worth that i mean she's not gonna be president no she's like karen in chief right now i hate to say i never use the word karen i think it's really sexist and right. i do know that there's a sexist element to this too but i i we we spent a lot of shows on joe mansion different dynamics i'm also from you know i was born in arizona so like i have a lot of right. Uh, right. um <laughs> Just like New York. Like I have this like two-sided life where I like was born in Arizona, grew up in Buffalo, went to college in Arizona. It's just like a, it was just a lot of a lot of stuff. And they're two very different states, if I can just say that. Um, all right, wait, wait. So we have about five minutes. I I want to um I want to discuss the electoral element of this because when we talk about the splits on the left and and just kind of full picturing it here. So we have this electoral situation in which we have two senators who are holding up a lot, um, and and you know, when people are like, oh, well, they could vote against it, sure. And Chuck Schumer could do his job, so like, great. But that's why it's important for us to stand in solidarity and work as a movement to pressure the people on the power map and the people that move those people on the power map in certain ways. Um, within DSA, I mean, and DSA is not the movement; like, it's a no. part of the movement, right? <laughs> And, and every obviously, every DSA chapter is different, and we've talked about this before. And even within DSA, there's lots of uh, clearly lots of issues. Um, but there's like anti electoralism. I understand people's frustration with it, and I'm not like I don't think it's the end all be all solution to everything. But how do you see the movement kind of like working with these dynamics in which real fundamental material change could happen if somebody like a Kirsten Cinema? just did her job or showed up to work or whatever.
4: Mm-hmm. So that's a, di- uh, it's a different question for me in Louisiana, specifically when it comes to like addressing senators specifically, because right now we have like two of the most absolutely like, like if you think Kirsten Sinema is bad, where do last show you John Kennedy and, and Bill Cassidy. Right. So like, like one of the things that sort of like needs to be built in, in, I mean, this is something that I'm taking on in sort of um, less of a DSA capacity, more of a personal capacity is I've sort of like just through a couple, I was able to like very easily get into my like local Democratic executive committee because nobody ran for it. And it's like outside of New Orleans and sort of like, I'm just sort of like scoping out the territory and seeing what these things are like, how they operate, how they function. And um, I think that there is a like it. Amongst members of organizations like DSA and other like larger groups, um, or you know whatever, there's not a whole lot of understanding of like what these things are, how they operate, it and how they, um, like like what part they play in the system being as like totally screwed up as it is, and you know I don't. You mentioned on on the show w- w- with you, Jamie, me and Kenzo, uh, that like you don't think that DSAs should like have electoral working groups or they shouldn't have or they definitely shouldn't be the most powerful um, working group. In that was a-
1: Jamie who said that. Okay, I had I had I had other issues, but yeah.
4: <laughs> well, regardless, um, I, I I agree with that sentiment and to a, to a large extent, and we should be plugging in specifically two campaigns that are that that one have a chance to get message out, two that grow to the organization, and three can actually win. So um, I mean, I can give an example of what happened in Louisiana. We did have one of our members. Uh, the only election, the only endorsement we ever made uh, was for Marguerite Green. She, actually, there's her sign right there. Uh, she ran for state agriculture commissioner, uh, which was a specific targeted job that she chose. It controls sort of a lot of a lot of the agriculture in the city. I mean, in the in the state, uh, and we put together a, um, a essentially a statewide campaign to support her. Um, and she ran as an open socialist, and she got a quarter of a million votes in the state of Louisiana. She, you know, she did win. However, she did she did much better than anyone expected, uh, including the Democrats, uh, the the the, the um, more establishment Democrats. So, um, I think that finding campaigns like that one, uh, which are not going to be every cycle necessarily, not in Louisiana at least, um, but but getting like preparing to support people who are going for those kinds of things who share our values. Is the approach that um, that I'm in favor of for the most part?
1: All right, we got to have you back on. We'll do a deeper dive analysis. We're an hour show. It's no, it's yeah, sure. it's all I can handle, guys. Like you're like, why you should you should really expand that show. And I'm like, I'm 40s a week. What? So great job. Yeah, sure. for- <laughs> Love having you on. Super interesting conversation. Um, uh, go check out Jeffrey Barois. <laughs>
4: yeah um i uh, i stream live at eight o'clock on central time on uh youtube you can find us on youtube twitch etc and you can also check out our uh we actually have it's our radio show uh and podcast on whivlp new orleans 102.3 uh yeah check us out uh, good morning
1: comrade podcast and i love that by the way it's so it's so brilliant um and so that would be central time is what is that eastern I, I use people. Eastern not because like I love Eastern, but I can do the math between the West Coast and the East Coast. You could say the same thing about Pacific. Central always confuses me. Eastern. Nine o'clock
4: Nine Eastern. Eastern. Central.
1: All right. Go check it out. Watch it live. Watch it. Yeah. You know, listen to it uh in in reverse. Um whatever. <laughs> Post what am I talking about? Like later. <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for? The VOD. Some some people need to be scripted.
4: Well, thank you so much <laughs> for having me on. I really appreciate
1: it. <laughs> thank you so much. All right, I'll see you soon. Come back on, <laughs> take care. All right, guys, we will be on demand. Dorsey's like on demand, thank you. I don't, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm revealing myself as an old lady, it's just happening. Um, we will be right back with two people who are older than me. Sorry guys, <laughs> Rep. Rab and Run Chowdhury. Welcome back. Uh, to the Nomi Key show, Everyone's got fresh looks. I'm really loving it. Arun's hair is like super sophisticated. I don't know what's going on there, but you're like, you're super European fab. I'm blonde. And I don't know what you did, RepRab, but you got, I you're just, very fresh. I just
5: buffed it. I just buffed it. It's
1: good.
6: Yeah, it's thank good. You. It's noticeable and it looks good. It looks sharp. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: we're all living our best lives right now. I'm like sweating to death because I can't have the air conditioning on because it affects the microphones. Also, which relates to our first story, uh, there's a little bit of a power situation happening where I am. So even though my hair is blonde, it's sweaty. <laughs> it's a different glow. Schwitzy. It's a little schwitzy. <laughs> little little schmitzy in the house here. Um, guys so if you're new to the show and you don't know who these two beautiful gentlemen are if i can say so and not feel creepy um rep rab is representing the 200th district of pennsylvania's house representatives in northwest philly he is the author of invisible capital go check it out in the places that you can buy books that don't feed the monster who we'll talk about later also and then uh arun chowdhury hosts this little show this little new show called the committee program it's here mondays uh, three to three to, six-ish, uh, three right to six ish, right here on this channel and on Twitch, Twitch and YouTube, and you can go check it out at fans.fm.
6: Fans.fm uh, backslash committee or patreon.com backslash committee program.
1: You heard it, and he'll talk a little bit about uh, Monday's show, but it's solid, solid. If you want a good international, and you do some, you do campaign advice, etc. Um, of course, Iran was also the creative director for. Uh, I'm not even looking at your thing, and I should know this by heart at this point. It's ridiculous. I don't. Creative director for Bernie Sanders in 2016, correct? Right. That was it. Not director. Yes, director. And of course, president. chief president, uh, chief White House chief videographer. Chief president. <laughs> i was high. trying to think That's of fancy. like the most elite way of saying that she, the, the White House videographer, because not chief the auxiliary
5: president. <laughs> president, but the chief
6: president.
1: <laughs> Shadow president. I'll tell you what I was, which was
6: interesting. Uh, I was oh told God, by national security staff that technically I was a command and control center since I edited and shot my own material. Therefore, if I had been killed in service of the president, it would have been international incident, etc. But it would not have been a war crime because I'm a legitimate target.
1: Okay, I feel like we need an entire episode just to talk about all of the things that you are now talking about. The person who told me, me that was so minister.
6: excited to tell me that. They were like, actually, you're a legitimate target. I was like, wow. It was Ben Rhodes. <laughs> okay. yeah, it, it, it was not. And you know it, what? Like, the guy who sat next to him, it was.
5: I was about to compliment you on your on the term Schwitzy. That was, I... I have such a, a warm uh, memories of of Yiddish. <laughs> of schmitzing. <laughs> of schmitzing. No, not schmitzing. I mean, I love that word, but uh, yeah, I, I was. It sounds like it should. Yeah, and I was introduced uh, to 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 Yiddish by my my late father, who was embraced by Jewish medical students at the University of Louisville, which he helped to desegregate in the fifties. Oh, and so he learned Yiddish as this black kid wow. from Kentucky. And he spoke it for so the rest of I mean, He wasn't fluent, but he, he he used it all the time. And I just thought that was part of black English.
1: Not you are mean, so not a New Yorker. That's just part of New York language. Exactly. <laughs> I was I like, realize... He's like amazed by schmitzing, And I'm like.
5: <laughs> in the Midwest. It, look, look,
6: little
1: adds, little, it, little this, smear it, on. The...
6: We have to do, do it in a whole episode just to actually unpacking your family because we have artists, <laughs> oh we have WPA, we have this. is A, a lot, big, yeah.
1: There's a lot going on. No, it's it's like it's like a great. Because he's also a genealogist, so um, yeah. Uh, speaking of Schmitz, wait, I can I just add one more. This is—I know we have to talk about real things, but I was on the phone with my best friend, who I always talk about on the show, because she's my wife now, and we decided to move in move in together and raise children together, and then just never, we're, we're heterosexual women. No, nope, there's just like we just decided, like that's just much easier, much easier in life. We're just doing that. That's how we're. I'm gonna... working
5: on a bill oh. on that.
1: Oh my god! Can I testify? <laughs> This is a whole, I've been getting a lot of hate mail about my um, beliefs about certain things lately that I've come out about. Um, So anyways, I use the word jalopy because I'm having an issue here in Puerto Rico, which will tie into kind of the situation. Um, I'm here in Puerto Rico still. And I have, there's a rental car crisis. I don't know if you guys know, nationwide. I thought it was just Puerto Rico because there was a tourist crisis here where everybody and their mother decided to come down here uh, at one point of the pandemic thinking it's spring break. And so all the housing was being booked up and I had mm. a really tough time finding a place to stay that didn't cost a fortune um, while I'm working here. And I'm very familiar with the island having worked here a ton. And then um, when I went to get a rental car, cause I'm driving around the island all, all the time, it was like extraordinarily expensive. We just had to suck it up and like book it. It was like, a th- it was just not fun. So then I go to extend the rental car and they're like, yeah, we, we can't, we're, we're, we're out of rental cars. Like, What do you what do you mean you're out of rental cars? The island is out of rental cars. What do you mean? Turns out there's this rental car crisis happening nationwide because before the pandemic a bunch of rental car companies went under and then like during the pandemic it was, everyone was like, we can't go anywhere so we're gonna get in the car and go to like the cabin or whatever. Um, And they didn't have enough of these chips that were being produced, blah, 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 rental car crisis. So I decide I'm gonna buy a jalopy. <laughs> while I'm here, and my best friend was, a what? A jalopy. You guys know what the word jalopy means, right? This is a yes. very long version of- yeah.
5: Figuratively, right? It's a, a
1: jalopy. jalopy. Yeah. It's like a shitty car that- Right. You can yeah, like, like an old beat up, like kind yeah. of
6: like, you know, but dependable kind of thing, yeah.
1: How right. is this controversial? How I is it controversial?
5: What is the origin? Is
6: there I an no origin idea. story I that we
1: do I looked it up, I couldn't find it. It was like a French thing, and then like a thing in Mexico. There's no weird- you know, this, it, it's a jalopy. How do people not know what a jalopy is?
5: I think it's generational. I haven't heard the word in years, but I grew there's up. There's certain that. words that have a racist mouthfeel. <laughs> and, some,
6: and sometimes it's not based in anything, but, but you're still there with it in your mouth. And I think this might be one of those situations. Wow. I was like,
1: what
5: racist I mouth feel. There's a meme there. Please. Yeah. Let me amplify it.
1: All right, guys, I'm sorry. That was a lot of chatter about nothing. Um, so, I am in Puerto Rico and I am literally schwitzing like crazy right now. And um, I wouldn't, I, part of it is because uh, there have in the last, I mean, okay, so as many people know, after Hurricane Maria um and Irma, the island was dealing with power issues. I was here for a good chunk of it. It was real fun uh, to not have cell phone service on all of the island and and then eventually just in san juan for a while no power still to this day there are places that still have tarps on their roofs um aoc tweeted out about her grandparents house that she didn't receive um her grandmother's house did not receive the funding that was supposed to be allocated to um to through trump's uh, fema aid lots of issues right uh so so what's the solution um the you know the governor at the time uh was part of the statehood party the right wing uh, party here. And he, one out of three Puerto Ricans showed up on the streets in 2019, the summer of 2019, based on a chat that leaked in which like they, they like the, his inner circle attacked everybody and their mother in the most disgusting ways. Okay. So one out of three Puerto Ricans showed up in the streets and demanded he resign. And in, you know, a few days, he essentially stepped down and resigned. And then his, then somebody who he had appointed became the interim president or governor and then somebody else picking the bottom line is the first interim governor is now the governor of the statehood party so instead of being like oh maybe we should go a different course and like maybe not go to the right oh nope here we are to the right and guess what he does he decides to privatize the power authority Mm -hmm. i mean i love joshua potash but i would love to pull up somebody who's um puerto rican uh just because you know he's amazing and a great ally but i want to if we can here i'll put a name in and we can look up bianca it's Bianca, not yeah. Okay, so so they privatized uh, abruptly. I was out last night, two nights ago, having dinner, and we had just gotten word that even though unions were protesting, coalition groups were protesting on the streets. Everybody was showing up. Uh, they like did it really fast, and this organization—it's this company called Luma. It's a new uh, new company, and Luma supposedly hired union workers from Florida. To union bust here. What Luma is saying is we're gonna lay off all these people, but don't worry, we're gonna train you and you can find other jobs like nursing jobs and teaching jobs, which also are not on the island right now. There's an exodus. I say this because this is just like it's 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 just a metaphor for all things wrong and what's happening in disaster capitalism everywhere. Um, the power went out at dinner the other night, everyone on the streets was like erupting, like, oh my god, flashbacks of 2017 and 18 and we were glitchy on the show yesterday. So, let's go around the circle here because this is happening at a time when Cory Bush and Jamal Bowman presented a piece of legislation. Um, let's put that up real quick. We have it. It is on public power. Talk about yeah, timing. It's good stuff. So Kate Aronoff, a uh, friend of the show, says Corbush and Jamal Bowman are introducing a sweeping resolution today on public power to establish energy as a right, building lots of public renewables and, and democratizing existing public power. It's a roadmap to decommoditize electricity. We don't talk enough about this, but Run, you lived in Texas. How'd that work out?
6: Yeah, no, I mean, you know... Uh... Business with grids and privatizing stuff has not gotten anyone anything except for actual deaths in what we know will be increasing climate emergencies. It is not the time for any of this. And just to see two freshmen congressmen sort of take this bold step and just, you know, actually call it like they see it and not be like dressing it up into some kind of, you know, jobs program, which... These things are and can be, but actually, just in terms of universal rights, you know, maybe that's a hard struggle, but it's the right struggle to have because, as Bernie says, we got to ask for the whole loaf, and unless you want to just get crumbs. And I think the idea of energy uh, as right—it's—I mean, it's just exciting, you know. I don't often get exciting about things that happen in legislative bodies, and I thought this was something that is bold, something people can rally around. Something people can run on in local uh, offices.
1: So, just as a follow up to that, Iran, um in Europe, uh, how is this like crazy that 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 the that the global South and uh, and and many cities in America in in, in the Americas, I'm going to say just just in general, are privatizing their power grids?
6: You know what? And I, I want to say I want to say it carefully. Like like. The thing that we do in America is we're not afraid to sort of treat our people the way we treat other people. They don't do that in Europe. So with inside the gated walls of northern Europe, yeah, energy is sort of a right. And it's strangely cheap and maybe gas costs a lot, but that's good because you shouldn't be driving anyway. And you have all of these alternatives to it. But even inside of Europe, the way that they treat the European South, the global South as an energy market to short over and over again. Uh, as you know, reasons just as much as America to cause coups in just a different set of countries. It's, it's not the ones that we do. Uh, you know, uh, energy still uh, dominated by the global north, whether it be in North America or in Europe is an absolutely unfair game in which in which companies are subsidized to deliver to the richest people the most energy.
1: They did ban fracking, to be fair, <laughs> early on. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> to be fair, RepRab, uh... <laughs> How prof- I mean, can this happen in Pennsylvania? Can we take this legislature by legislature?
5: Uh, yeah, I mean, look, the I mean I, I love what these folks are doing in Congress. It's so exciting. Um, it's you know it, it's on a much larger scale than what I I, I and other uh, progressive electeds, the few of us that, that you know exist in the Pennsylvania legislature are seeking to do across the board. This is what we need to do. We have to to err on the side of being bold and visionary and humane. Um, And we can do it in substantive ways. It does not have to be hashtag legislation. It can be really meaningful, comprehensive stuff. And you know what? The reality is most legislators, regardless of where they are on the political spectrum, they, they phone it in. If you look at the majority of legislation that's pushed through, it's model legislation. Now there's good model legislation and then there's shitty model legislation, but um, it's still somebody else's stuff. So if it yeah. works, great. And what I think works uh, are in alignment with my progressive values. What the Republican majority in Harrisburg where I work think what works is you know uh, election audits and they're taking junkets to Arizona to figure out what's happening there. Works is a subjective term, but when you infuse meaningful innovation. And this is what I call civic innovation. I used to teach it at Temple University before I I became an elected official. Um, You have the ability to unleash the collective creativity of the larger populace. It doesn't have to be um, um, uh, created by those of us who are in elective office, but we can amplify it. We can tweak it. We can advocate for it in meaningful ways. And that affirms all the kind of collective wisdom and expertise of people who've been working on the front lines in all of these different areas. And I wanna mention that, you know, I represent part of Philadelphia, one of the oldest cities um, in the country. Um, our legislative body has been around for a hundred years before the founding of our country. It's So it's been around for a long time. Our speaker of the house was Benjamin Franklin. All right, so our first speaker of the house. So we have a real august Um, kind of history in one sense, but there's not enough innovation going on where those of us who care deeply about changing kind of structurally what works and not just unionizing Amazon workers, we don't need Amazon. Like there should not be an Amazon. There should not be billionaires. There should not be predatory industries or tax incentives that allow for predatory industries to exist in the first place. So the idea of acknowledging that energy is a public good and a public right. Uh, Pennsylvania is one of only two states that has a green amendment to our state constitution that codifies environmental stewardship. Well, one of the ways we can can actually double down on environmental stewardship in a state that is a uh, um, exports a lot of energy, including fracked gas, um, is is by uh, giving it to the people and creating a, a means by which we can have community wealth that fosters this type of uh, employment and uh, energy uh, generation that also serves our environment. We can do this. And this is definitely what I'm working on in Pennsylvania. And I have colleagues who are doing this in states across the country. That's Look, they thought we now. couldn't
6: give everyone electricity, right? And obviously like this caused one of the biggest economic booms ever was the electrification of America. So. that's right. We just gotta keep bringing this stuff up.
5: And Philadelphia is home to one of the oldest municipally run um, gas works. So Philadelphia Gas Works is technically owned by the people, but it is gas, which is shale gas, which comes almost exclusively from fracking, yes. which um, we have we have seen, um, Mother Jones did a great expose around this about just how dangerous uh, f- um, uh, shale gas is actually in the homes, not just in the fracking. Oh yeah, without
1: yeah. a doubt but yeah.
5: actually on the consumer thing. And when it I leaks was a like, out of,
1: yeah. Business. Yeah, it
5: leaks and methane is, is 80 times worse than carbon um, dioxide. It's,
1: it's the number one cause of pollution in New York City is coming from leaked gas. It's coming from homes, um, apartments in the city. And so, uh, shout out to my former council member, uh, Costa Costa Antinides, who really pushed that bill through. To retrofit and ban, um, you know, and 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 some of its, you know, pu- public housing is I think one out of I'm going to get the number wrong I forgot one out of eight New Yorkers I believe. Um, but basically, there's enough public housing in it, 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 the city, of Boston. There's enough people who are living in New York in public housing that that is equivalent to the, the city of Boston. Boston.
5: Let me yeah. ask you a question: If we know that these leaks are happening in these old cities with these crumbling infrastructures, and we know there's gas leaks everywhere but it is prohibitively expensive for these for-profit entities to dig up these you know these old roads and so forth to actually address the leaks what if there was an incentive for these companies to drill down break open these uh, pipes fix them and when they're open replace them with geothermal energy which is renewable green energy that will require a whole new workforce to implement them. So we are actually feeding two birds in one hand. We are shutting down the leaks in these old infrastructures and we're creating new jobs by replacing that infrastructure with geothermal under our cities. Is that something that is, um, uh, that seems like a win-win to me. What do you think, Naomi? It's
1: almost like we need to get rid of the filibuster and pass the infrastructure bill and this is phase two. Go ahead, Ryan. Sorry.
5: <laughs> no,
6: I'd say step three on that is then require anyone who put to, who digs up anything to have to lay down fiber, even if there's no source for it, even if they yeah. don't know where it's going. Just like if you want the privilege of ripping up the street, you got to put some fiber. It doesn't cost you anything. Yes. Nobody's mad. If you want to
1: disrupt my show and me loud all day long? Because that's usually what happens when I'm doing. From I'm like, oh, they're drilling something in front of my house. Or today, or not You want to be crystal
6: commentary. 4K while that's happening? Yeah. Just absolutely.
1: Hundred <laughs> percent. You know, it's all about uh, compromise. Okay, total switching. I, I have to talk about this because um, it's just like, so whatever's happening in the world right now, I don't understand. It's like so classic and yet so like ethereal in a weird way. Um, I didn't know who, oh God, I'm an Asian. Okay, Grimes, I'm not gonna say that, that I didn't. Grimes is a musician or a computer program. I don't know who is um, a pop
6: culture sensation.
1: Is she married now? Or I don't know what she identifies as is she she married to Elon Musk now or their partners, they have a child. Let's just say that their child is a symbol. Like the name is a symbol. I don't, whatever. Um, It's like super hip to just like really kind of live in this like computer programming world where everything's like AI and we're going to the moon. And meanwhile, like communism is, You know, you guys don't understand, this is actually communism. So she had some hot takes uh, that are getting, making the rounds right now about communism, which um, I think we all know where we stand with Elon Musk, but let's just, let's play this clip because as much as I wanna make fun of it, I do think it's like emblematic of something that's happening on the right right now, which we should be concerned about. What is this filter? What is going on here? I have a proposition for the communists. It's not a filter. Um, okay. So, typically, most of the communists I know are not big fans of AI. But if you think about it, AI is actually the fastest path to I communism. Can't. I can't. So, if implemented correctly, AI could actually theoretically solve for abundance. Like, we could totally get to a situation where nobody has to work, everybody is provided for with a comfortable state of being, comfortable living. AI could automate all the farming, weed out systematic corruption, thereby bringing us to as close as possible to genuine equality. So basically everything that everybody loves about communism, but without the collective farm, because let's be real, enforced farming is really not a vibe. Okay. We went from collective farming to enforced farming. (laughs) 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 Yeah, Not a vibe. You know, it's not a vibe.
6: That. We're from the Soviet Union to like the Khmer Rouge and like two, two seconds from her there. Uh but like oh, is that real? <laughs> no,
0: that,
6: that's real. That's really her. No, no, no. That is so really real. Dumb. That's why I
1: brought this up. This is the world's richest man's partner who's a musician who has millions and millions of followers trying to influence the kids. The communism is this is this is actually, they're not saying communism is bad. Which is interesting because that's what fox news is saying they're saying oh this is actually communism for the kids who just like picked up communist manifesto for the first weird time techno like,
6: authoritarianism is communism nobody worry and the one thing of course she leaves out that would be left out in this ai thing is people which is the point of socialism uh-huh. is to have a democratized economy and not mm-hmm. what we have now which is a sort of strange little collective of yes. tyrannies uh, but <laughs> the thing i want to say is i don't think she really understands AI, right? Like AI is not like this, this like, it's not what we've been sold, right? AI is is this really imperfect and sort of stupid and very specific set of technological things. It's not creating an artificial brain. It's not making things that mimic real thought. Maybe someday we will. Who knows? But that's not actually what this is. We're just, I don't know what she thinks we're doing. We're just making more ways to share photos. Uh, and, you know, that's the innovation that we see. We're not figuring out ways to have robots grow our food for us. There's it's like
1: AI journalism now, which is extremely concerning to me. Um, it's like a way bigger trend than people are even aware. <laughs> you know, how many stories we read that come out of AI journalism.
6: I believe it. Sometimes you're reading this thing because you, you clicked on some of accident and you're like, I don't believe a human is behind this.
1: No, no, but it's like, it's, it's even at like real public, oh, whatever. Well, um, you know
5: what the great equalizer is? Um there's something called new media and blogging. It's the great... <laughs> So
1: what year years are ago, you in? Craig <laughs> 20, 20 years ago? I'm like are we at Netroots right now when Netroots was yes, like public- so that's happy. it so that was my
5: reality you know uh, you know about 20 years ago when all of the you know the privileged white boys were saying oh look this is a network this is that equalizes everything everyone has access to the same resources and they can do whatever we want and so uh, made they a money. Few other, you know, uh folks who are not quite of of that ilk were like, yeah, not so much. And they were really upset. They were really upset that we injected issues of race and gender and sexual orientation and class into these things like, no, none of that exists online, there are no barriers. This is the same kind of uh hackneyed argument um that we we've heard in, in previous iterations. Uh there is no It's substitute. before there was
1: an algorithm too, and and then once they realized, yeah. oh, there's money to be yeah, made so here. Remember, remember when Facebook was like, we don't know how to monetize, and so that's how they had to kind of figure out. It was like you, you went from Mark Zuckerberg, who's exactly like my age, you know, being a. I mean, I was I was part. I was. I mean, this is I am Mark Zuckerberg. So it's, it's I was in college. So it, like we got it like two months later after Harvard, and it was just such a, a, a fascinating like. Offline, I'm, I don't know if I'm giving this away a run, but I was talking to one of your friends who's working on something with you right now and regarding AI. And I was like, oh my God, I don't want to talk about this. But I was like, <laughs> it's like when we all thought Facebook was going to, you know, save the world. And actually, in some ways it did at the time. It was, you know, the, the Arab it's Spring. It's made things
6: possible that weren't possible, especially for movement-driven politics, 100%, you know?
1: But the negatives that come out of it is like, is it a net neutral? So is there a net positive to, uh, aside from Grimes, is there a net positive to AI opposed to net negative or is it just like all negative or how are we- The other
6: thing is how 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 idiosyncratic do we think Grimes is or how much are they emblematic of something that I think we touch on sometimes on on the show, which is that we have just sort of inherent belief that young people are drawn towards a cosmopolitan democracy and it just might not be the case you see here everything that seems sort of shiny and attractive actually being a bit authoritarian and anti-democratic and nonetheless that is what makes it attractive uh and you know that might be sort of eccentric and off kilter now but i think we're going to see more and more of this more of the youth flirting with the right wing whether that be through environmental pure blood pure water pure air weirdness or whether it be through some of this technological kind of worship i think we're going to see more young people embracing far-right extreme views.
1: What I'm concerned about is um, the opposite of what she's saying. She's like mocking farming. And the reality is there's a huge movement in communities across the country and the world, uh, where I am right now, to get back to basics of farming because the privatization efforts, the 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 infrastructure has been completely depleted through austerity and there's an absolute connection. And it's you know, destroying the
4: earth. It's just destroying you know, the earth. Just, yeah.
1: Yeah, like they, there are no local. All the farms here were ripped to shreds, and so people decided to get back to basics because because austerity. When I say government, the government that had been under austerity was not able to provide like really basic things like water and food, and so there's a huge movement in Puerto Rico and across the world to get back to basics. So I'm like, how does this go up against Grimes's theory of like, nobody wants to do? Oh, cool. So when the power is out, like I know they're into solar too, but they're not great at solar, Elon Musk. So.
5: Yeah, I mean, this, these are important issues, and you know, as a as a city slicker who served now in my third term on the Agriculture and Rural Affairs Committee, it, it's it's burst my bubble and it mm. it's forced me to think about uh, food systems and food insecurity and um, uh, migrant labor and all of these intersecting issues that, and it also reconnects me with my past. Look, I, you know, as a black person, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for an agrarian economy. Mm. Uh, my ancestors were mined for their skilled labor, skilled labor, because there's a myth that you know black folks who were pulled from West Africa and other parts of the continent came over just with with their muscles and nothing else. But we we had been um, uh, cultivating rice, which was the actual biggest cash crop in the in colonial America. It was bigger than cotton that came from the Senegambia region of West Africa. We are indeed uh, reclaiming farming and doing so in an urban setting as well, using technology, but also reconnecting our relationship to nature, to the land, to Mm -hmm. food systems and all of those things that is actually where we should be going and honoring those ancient traditions in a modern setting versus further uh, estranging ourselves from the very things that sustain us quite literally.
1: Well said, um, Rep. Rab. Yep. Ag committee wouldn't have expected that one. I, love I, it. I
5: am full of tricks.
1: <laughs> I love it. All right, uh, Rep. Rab, Arun Chowdhury. Arun, tell tell us what's going on on uh, on Monday on the committee program, right here on YouTube and Twitch, 3 p.m. Eastern. Yeah,
6: please do tune in. We're going to have the usual gang like Ellie Mayo, O'Hagan and folks, but actually uh, Vijay Prashad is coming on. Uh, he has who is a, what. A, he has He's an author of a book called Washington Bullets and it'll be about American interventionism and we'll be talking a lot about the itchy trigger finger uh, of America. And then we're also having Jamal Bickley King back on who's gonna talk about data. He confronts me a bit, uh, you know Jamal? <laughs> yeah, great guy. That's my buddy. He's gonna confront me on some of my Luddite beliefs about data, so that's good. And then we're also talking about what he's doing in Virginia uh, and how it's sort of a even longer term project than Georgia is, which everyone's super familiar because it was this sort of big thing. And definitely um, check out our most recent apps right here on this channel. You can see all of the different, yeah, here we go. We have it separated out into a a channel committee program and you can watch us at 3 p.m. Eastern every Monday. Always something new.
1: It was so good the other day. I, I like to just sit there with a glass of wine and watch it and take notes and, you know. It's great, it's really good. I don't think there's any show like this right now on the political YouTube Twitch spaces. Most things I'm watching are just like people ranting into the cameras for hours and hours. And I'm like, can I just say, I think that that is exploitative. I think that these platforms are pushing people to just like give their lives for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. And, hours, and it's usually more, it's 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 easier for folks who you know, don't have families, aren't married, haven't like, you know, acquired as much debt over his life. And it's, it's extremely exploitative. And, um, and of course the most privileged people are able to do that for hours and hours and hours and hours. It's, I, it wears you down. It only lasts so long. That's um, I think, yeah. you know, rep rap, if I can lobby you, I know some, some of this stuff is happening federally, but I would be really happy to like figure out how to do this at the state level to find a way to, to uh, rein in on some of these tech companies from that, that perspective, that it's really beating People down. And, and, you know, it's one thing for like us to be beat down. It's another thing for young kids who just want, you know, to, to say something, have a space to talk about. It takes so long for them to get verified, to make money off of it. And, um, so, and that's why actors had unions. That's why unions came about. But simultaneously, there's a real gender, class, and, uh, of course, racial dynamic and in terms of who is being propped up and who is watching. I know I talk about this all the time. And who's
6: letting this be the way that it is? I mean, we are the public, we own the fiber, we own the internet, like we own this bandwidth. And you know, we should decide if there's a, if it's a public utility, if people should be competing. I think you would find that exactly talking about the advertising prices and stuff would go down right quick. If there was a local classifieds that was actually supported for pennies Mm -hmm. uh, a quarter by a local government.
5: I'm all Green. in. I'm all in for introducing legislation that does that. Let's that's, let's let's do it. Out. I love Be it. you like,
1: listen, this all came about when we were on a YouTube show. <laughs>
5: <laughs> Biting the hand that was
6: feeding us, yes.
1: Love it. Go- oh my god, all the time. I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna throw away my values. Rep Rab, a run chattery, love ya. See you on the committee program on Monday, or everybody see the committee program on Monday. Nice. Uh, nice. go check it out, 3 p.m. right here and all the different spaces. We have everything in there. I'm gonna do some shout outs. We have Northern Lights sending us love. Thank you, Northern Lights. Ian Kinzel also sends love. Thank you, Ian Kinzel says, after the New York City race, it'd be funny if you started roasting bad candidates from, from random other cities. Now, off to Omaha, Nebraska for the failure of the day. I mean, sure, <laughs> I could do that, I guess. I'm a little bit more fluent in New York City politics having you know worked uh, in the city and, and having been there for a long time at this point, um, maybe like a third of my life. Yeah. Uh, and New York state for sure, over half of, well over half my life. Um, but it's also the biggest city in in the country. And so there's a lot of things that, that if New York were to change it, then we would possibly shift it uh, nationally and then globally. Ray Lee, here's a fan, a fun, useless, oh my God, can't read. Ray, Ray Lee says, I'll try again. Here's a fun, useless fact stemming from your jalopy discussion. There's a car counterculture website that combines the word jalopy and beatnik, calling it jalopnik. It's been around since the early 2000s. See the things we learn? I'm so happy that I share my weird moments of my life with everybody. Um, All right, everybody in the chats, thank you so much for working those algorithms, fighting off the trolls, for making this work, for jumping in the chats and shaking it up. We appreciate you. We appreciate our moderators, both on Twitch and YouTube. And if you don't already subscribe on YouTube, make sure to do it now and share with your friends. We've been getting a lot of really lovely notes lately Thank you to everybody. We are really appreciative. We put a lot of effort in the show. It's a team effort. We love our guests who are so knowledgeable and smart, and we want to keep highlighting um, really amazing people doing the work on the ground and who can offer uh, a more, uh, you know, more global analysis of how uh, of how politics functions. So we're grateful to you and for all the notes that you've been sending. And if you are not already, join us on patreoncom slash Show. Please become a patron. That's how we, I think in the old days, we'd say keep our lights on, but now it's a private company that does that. So So it's how we kind of keep our lights on or the air conditioning on or the microphone on. On that note, I'm gonna choke and uh, we will see you tomorrow for Femme Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern, right here on all the spaces, Twitch, YouTube, stay in solidarity.